Step into the world of advertising with FjorgeCast, predicting the most important trends in the advertising industry. Host Tim Barsness dishes on the latest developments within the advertising realm. Tune into the FjorgeCast to receive insider tips and advice from experts within the advertising industry. FjorgeCast is your first stop in hearing about the unique opportunities and challenges advertisers face today. Cranberry Radio is proud to present FjorgeCast with your host, Tim Barsness. Thanks for joining us on FjorgeCast. I'm Tim Barsness, founder of web and mobile development team Fjorge. And today on our show, we will be talking with Tom Keekley about his Minneapolis-based marketing agency, Olive & Company. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you. Great to be here. So, Tom, tell me a little bit about Olive & Company. When were you guys founded? 2003. i got to think back now. It's always a little longer than I remember. We were founded right after both uh, my business partner, Rob, and I had gotten done with stints that were, uh, I was in corporate and he was at a, a larger agency downtown. And we had both kind of played through the field of, of small agencies and, and bigger agencies and a little bit of corporate. And uh, we just felt like we'd kind of run run that course. And his wife actually reignited a, a thought of ours to, to do something on our own. Um, he and I had gone to college together and had been friends for a long time, but uh, the timing was right. So around uh, 2003, I was I was just wrapping up some time at, uh, as an art director for a, a software company, and uh, and it just seemed the the appropriate time to to step out and and try something on our own. So his wife <laughs> convinced you guys to go into business together. She did. We uh, <laughs> like I say, we'd been we'd been friends and and uh, and, and I guess. Not so much colleagues, but we, we worked together on the college paper, and that's how we met as designers. And so we had, had kept the friendship up, and he and his wife had a uh, – they had kind of a side uh, design project – or excuse me, design business that they nurtured over the years through the 90s. But they just didn't have the time and energy to commit to it because Rob still had his full-time job. And his wife, Tiran was just uh, starting out with their first of, of two daughters – and Rob had grown frustrated. So she called me up one day and just said, uh, Rob hates his job. <laughs> and at the time, uh, I, I, I agreed. I did too. I, I, like I say, the corporate had kind of snuck up on me. I worked in a, uh, before they were acquired, I worked for a software company that was very entrepreneurial. And we had a very active marketing staff within that company. And I, I kind of give that the credit of making me feel like I wanted to go deeper into the field here because when I'd been at the small agencies and, and, and things before, I'd certainly got a taste of agency life, but it wasn't until I worked with that team at the software company that I really felt like I worked with a larger marketing group. We had writers and developers and a vice president of marketing there within the company, and we basically functioned as a standalone agency within the group uh, and it was it was interesting because it helped us kind of dodge the, the normal corporate politics um, and really actually work together much like we do now uh, here in the studio where the writers and designers and developers and, and, and account people all, all, all kind of collaborate and work together. That was, that was really my big taste uh, of that and it was right before that that uh, once they got acquired, they, they lost, uh, the bigger company came in and kind of broke up the team and didn't really know what to do with all of us. So we disbanded and, uh, and that's what, what formed Olive was uh, the desire to kind of try to try to do that again. It sounds like she was right, and uh, it's been a, a great partnership. Uh, <laughs> what, she, kind, she, what kinds of companies was. do you guys work with? 
Um, well, we, we work with primarily three different groups. Uh, I would say our studio is designed primarily to, to support mid-sized companies. And with that, we, we typically define that as 10 to 50 million and up. Um, but that's, that's a little flexible with that. Primarily what we're looking for is a, a company that's established. So they're not, not typically startups. Uh, those are pretty rare. Uh, it's much, much better for us to work with a, a, a company that, that has kind of an existing uh, marketing philosophy, if, if you call it that. In other words, they've got marketing leadership in place, and they have a brand. And, and usually when it's a good fit for us is when they're really looking to take that brand up to the next level. Because uh, what we do is we, we kind of help them uh, refine their messaging and elevate their, their brand visuals and their brand messaging to, to kind of meet new audience challenges. Um, so that's kind of where we're, where we're designed at. Then we work with larger companies like General Mills and Medtronic, uh, Ecolab, uh, Dow Jones, a few of those over the years. And in those cases, we're, you know, we're not big enough to be an agency, a record for a, for a huge multinational like that. Um, so in those cases, we're usually working with marketing leaders within their individual business units. And, and obviously, in, from that perspective, those individual business units kind of function like a, a mid-sized company. Uh, and, and obviously, since they've got the marketing leadership in place there, um, we, we help act as a brand steward for their corporate brand, uh, but we essentially take all of their campaigns or anything that we're working on. Sometimes it'll be uh, a product launch or just some general you know, communications projects that they're working on, and we essentially try to elevate their what would normally uh, be projects that would fall, uh, fall away from uh, a, a big uh, agency of record. Uh, either for, because of expenses or just because they don't have the bandwidth to cover it. And we essentially try to give them the same output quality as they would from there. The third area. Yeah, and the last one is, is uh, interestingly enough, is higher education. <laughs> um, we find that uh, we, we've had a lot of success working uh, with uh, primarily websites, website redesigns with higher education. And, and I think the reason that that has been an area that, that our team really in, enjoyed and, and it kind of oddly goes along with uh, the other two that I mentioned is the complexity um, and uh, not just in the implementation of the websites and, and the, the messaging in there, but also kind of the complexity of, of approvals. There are lots of, lots of stakeholders in, in higher education and in, in, in public sector that way anyway. And since we kind of you know, know how to navigate those waters in the corporate world, uh, it's, been, it's been kind of an easy adaptation over the years for us to work with groups like the U of M and Minnesota West and uh, Hennepin Tech. Uh, as a big website launch that we did earlier this year in North Hennepin Community College. It's just been an odd fit, but it, it's, um, it's one that uh, we really uh, enjoy, and it's one that we're going to pursue even more. So you mentioned you're working with companies to accelerate them to the next level. What do you do as far as, as process for doing that? How do you guys get started in, in kind of elevating a brand, as you say? That's a good question. It used to be, I, I think it used to be, we let that process happen a little organically. In other words, we, we would uh, kind of do the traditional agency thing where we would let people come to us with, with project requests, either either through our, our own efforts or, or through word of mouth. And, and typically they had a website or they had a, you know some sort of project or campaign they wanted to work on. And, and we would attack it from, from that standpoint. And I think uh, really now, especially the last couple of years, while we've, we certainly listen to them when they come to us with those 
those challenges, uh, oftentimes it really takes us back to our focus um, of being a, a strategic creative agency, and we, we sort of take a step back, and, and oftentimes they are at a point with their website uh, or, or with another big uh, uh, initiative in, inside that's caused them to reach out to, to an, a professional agency that really it, it's, it's out of a misalignment with their brand. Either their website's not engaging with their audiences or they're about to embark on a new product or a new initiative or a new, uh, a new chapter in their company where they need to realign their message. And, and what we found in the past is if we let that process go on naturally without, without kind of doing a check, um, the the website would would take shape over time, but really when it came down to to what they were saying in there, whether it was the messaging or or who they were talking to, and specifically what kind of calls to actions they wanted to do in that, uh, there was a disconnect. And so, like I say, we're much more proactive these days to, to listen to uh, new customers or new client engagements, um, but then take a step back. And very often our initial uh, our initial recommendation is that is to either do a, uh, a refinement of their brand messaging platform. In some cases, obviously, a, a visual identity system refinement would come along for the ride. Um, but, you know, it's just, we, we, we try to tread pretty carefully there uh, because there are always existing brand assets and things and, and as much as our team loves to tackle uh, a, a brand redesign or logo and identity re- refinement um, it's really a lot of times the messaging that drives it and and then if, if it seems as though the audience has changed enough that the existing brand visuals don't uh, don't resonate then we kind of take that the next step so we need to take a break here but when we come back we'll be talking about what makes all of company successful don't go away. Fjordcast with Tim Barsness will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at wmetraining.com. Literature is taking over Miami streets. Between November 13th and the 20th, downtown Miami will transform into a full week celebration of the literary arts. More than 500 plus authors are coming to share their new work at the 2016 Miami Book Fair. The porch is open every evening complete with a full schedule of live music and performances, a farmer's market and cafe, food trucks, craft beer, and more. For more information on the 33rd Miami Book Fair, November 13th to the 20th at Miami-Dade College's Wolfson Campus in downtown Miami, call 305-237-3258 or visit miamibookfair.com. Follow Miami Book Fair on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Miami Book Fair. Content for your ears and everything in between. Cranberry.fm. Tim Barsness is back with more advertising advice with FjordCast, only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome back to FjordCast. I'm your host, Tim Barsness, and we're here with Tom Keekley of Minneapolis based agency Olive and Company. So, Tom, what makes Olive & Company so successful? You know, in our industry, I think it always comes down to the team. 
and the team you've assembled. And obviously that evolves a little bit over years, but we're we're constantly in a, a state where we're trying to to make sure that the synergies on the team, both with, with job expertise and also personalities, really can come together in an agency, especially a, a, a strategic creative agency where you're really not only need to come together just for some of the funnest parts of, of what we do, which is which is obviously coming up with, with new messages and new visuals for, for, for companies and organizations that way, but then to, to take a step back and, and really be able to push each other professionally um, and I think that's really what makes us uh, successful that way is we've, we've worked very hard to, to assemble people that are passionate about their role within what we consider the modern marketing landscape, um, which is essentially all of the efforts today is that, that people are, are trying to engage with their audiences, whether inbound marketing or outbound marketing. Um, so our designers come certainly with a, a passion for design, and yet they know their role in the big picture. So they're very eager to collaborate with the content team, and they're very eager to partner with the account team on making sure that our approach is, is right for the client. And then those other teams, whether it's the development, the content team, again, they're, they're very collaborative. And uh, everybody on the teams is uh, experienced and a professional and brings a lot of excitement into the project that way, but then it's it's how they work, and really that's how you know any agency always prides himself on on the people that are in the in the studio. We always feel that um, that's that's something that always uh, seems to resonate with our clients over time as they get to know our our team members. Uh, some of them uh, will work very closely with our developers and our and our designers during the process and, and engage them um, in ways that, that maybe some other agencies don't really give uh, folks an opportunity to. And I, and I think they appreciate that. Can you tell me a little bit about um, how you've aligned your team to the, the three verticals you talked about, the mid-sized companies, the larger companies, and, and higher ed? I can. Um, I, a lot of it really comes from the account team. Uh, and our and our account leads um, and our director of accounts. Uh, what we noticed after, and I, I always hate to kind of keep going back to this story, but back in the in you know 2008 2009 when a lot of corporations had a reset with the economy, what we found was that when they rehired their especially their their marketing leadership, when they rehired their marketing leadership, they 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 often didn't go back to the same caliber of of individuals that they had in the leadership positions before the economy. So we found ourselves uh, collaborating with people that instead of being a VP of marketing or with lots of senior executive experience uh, that were developing their own marketing plans, we were working with people that previously had been marketing coordinators or marketing managers. And, and as, as successful as they'd been at that, it pushed us to meet them more than halfway. And we had to become much more collaborative, much more strategic, and, and essentially work, work ahead of the curve a little bit with them to help them plan and adjust to not only just the new economy, but um, to the new ways you know that our team was using technology at the time and, and designing content to, to engage folks. So really, it started with elevating our account team so that they could take a, a bigger leadership role. And as the as rest of our teams developed, we brought content in-house about uh, two, two and a half years ago now. Before that, we we partnered with writers. That was a big uh, turning point for us as well, um, is to have writers in, in-house sitting you know right next to the creative team and the development team um, as we were putting the projects together. We, we've, we felt that 
um, it, essentially, like I say, was was kind of the missing missing piece or missing component that, that we really didn't have that before and helped us again kind of function in a way that uh, was was more complete and, and seemed a little bit more natural with our clients. Tom, tell me, um, what is the what's the next big step for your team? Well, we focus now primarily on on the things that we think are are most essential to certainly our existing clients, but we're finding that we're trying to be much more selective even with the development of our prospects and our new business prospects. Um, we, we call ourselves a strategic creative agency and, and we use that uh, very specifically uh, essentially to set us apart from from groups that may be a bit more um, focused on on the design and creative side while that is our our passion and our DNA um, we we also want to make sure we're doing that uh, in a way that that leads to results and and isn't just a, kind of a boutique creative agency so, so take that one step further what does yep. um, what does strategic mean to you it really helps uh, them make them want to connect to their audiences more and identifies ways uh, to to create more of an audience engagement than than maybe they would. A lot of times, uh, our role again is to is to help uh, companies take a step back and find a way to understand the customer, find a way to understand the audience instead of jumping right into um, kind of that that quarters or that that yearly fiscal year uh, marketing initiative. So so for us, it's it's helping them with their marketing plan. It's helping them use their uh, their fiscal resources wisely as 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 uh, a bit of a cliche for budgets, but really what it comes down to, we, we often take the approach, you know, it's not, we're not there to, to help them spend all of their money, um, but we are help there to help them try to make the most of it. And a lot of times for our clients, it's it's not, we, we'll, we'll find ways to, to use our team the best, um, but we often find ways for them uh, to use their internal team as well. And, and as those teams uh, kind of fluctuate in size, sometimes our, some of our clients will have creative resources in-house, less so uh, writers and content, content specialists. So those are really areas that we, we try to make sure that we collaborate with them so that they're getting our expertise there, but we're also kind of fiscally responsible to, to them, knowing that, that, that budgets and project budgets and fiscal budgets are always tight, um, but we try to make the most of it that way. And I, and I think uh, that's, that's the strategic part of the relationship of it. And then, of course, in the projects, you know, that just leads to us having a little bit more of a thought leadership role. Got it. So you've mentioned to me previously that you run your business on traction. I'm curious, Tom, what your experience has been putting structure around a creative agencies? That's a great question. We are not an industry, either design or creative agencies, that that often reacts well to structure or to uh, any type of regimen that comes with, I would say, a typical non-creative business. And neither Rob nor I had a business education background. Uh, and, and I think being an MBA, you know, you look back uh, on, on, on what it would mean for, for somebody to come through with an MBA or something. You'd take a much different approach to starting a business. And, and we really did it uh, organically based on what we didn't think worked in our previous agency experiences and what we didn't think worked um, in corporate. And what that really led to was essentially a rejection of all of the things that, that attraction uh, comes back to instead. Still, <laughs> a belief 
in with you, which is, uh, you know, it's certainly uh, aligning your internal organization and defining leadership roles and defining, uh, defining reporting roles. We're always struggling with that, and we're always uh, we're always making refinements that way. Um, and then even specifically, you know, you you kind of take for granted, and and you feel the collaboration and communication just comes naturally. But as as teams grow, you know, bigger. And, and once we grew beyond eight, nine, ten people, um, you know, you have to put enough structure in there so that not only are people collaborating, but but things are being documented, and you're working toward um, toward goals, and and you just can't take it uh, quite as 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 loosely as you did before. And and that's where I think traction was really helpful for us. Um, is is uh, we, we kind of. Uh, described it as taking us out of adolescence as a business and 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 adding some maturity onto it, where we uh, could still do what we do uh, well and what we love, but we were doing it in a way that uh, um, again had had better accountability and and something that would grow and scale with us as we wanted to grow. Absolutely, we need to take a break, but when we come back, we will talk about Airbnb's threat to leading hotel chains and another angle on Procter and Gamble backing out of hyper-targeted ads. Don't go away. George Cast with Tim Barsness will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. A more refreshing kind of talk radio. Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm Tim Barsness is back with more advertising advice with FjordCast, only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome back to FjordCast. I'm your host, Tim Barsness. I'm here with Tom Keekley of Olive & Company. Our first story today, leading hotel marketers claim they aren't worried about Airbnb despite an obvious threat execs are optimistic. They reference specifically that they are focusing on the guest experience and provide relevance so guests can choose what is best for them. Tom, do you, have you ever stayed at, Airbnb, at an Airbnb? I haven't, but my wife is going to be doing uh, it within uh, with two weeks. Within two weeks, and that'll be the first time anybody in our family's done it. But increasingly this year, colleagues and friends of mine have used it for their trips, and I honestly I was kind of amazed at how seamlessly it seemed to be mentioned in conversations when people would say, "Well, where are you staying, or what are you doing there?" and they would offer up that they went through the Airbnb process. So it seems to be very seamless, and I can see why it, the appeal's growing. So you think you'll be staying at one soon? 
I would. I certainly would like to try it. It was really interesting when I read through this article. What struck me is is how many different industries you can substitute hotel marketers in where they they seem to not take the latest threat uh, very seriously and and they feel that they're immune to some of the technological uh, innovations and the way different companies are disrupting their industries. I I had to chuckle because, like I say, I think you, Tim, as well as I over the years have probably read dozens of articles that 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 basically say the same thing about different industries where where the established leaders under underestimate uh, how disruptive some things can be. Absolutely, disruption is everywhere. So so how do uh, how do hotel hotel chains need to change their message um, to stay on top? They covered it a little bit in here. I, I, you know, I semi agree with with some of the things that that they stated in here. Where obviously looking back at the guest experience and and that, but you know, in some ways, I felt like that was, um, I, I guess, a bit of lip service to to the fact of you know we know what we're doing. Uh, we've got we've got customers that are loyal and and they know what they're looking for and and they basically made the point in the article that that, that the folks that are going to use Airbnb, um, you know, seem to be a different uh, a different consumer set and 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 I between the lines I sort of read it as you know these are the people that would travel Europe you know going to hostels and and would travel you know the country just kind of road tripping and stuff and you know my experience with that is is the opposite like I say the the people that I know have used it and are planning to use it are absolutely mainstream travelers. They have the same uh, rewards credit cards, and they've already they're already um, Hilton Honors uh, members and everything else. So I, I do I see it eroding right there. I think the biggest mistake that established brands uh, make in these instances, and again it happens all the time, is they they overestimate the the brand loyalty of their customers and they feel as though they're almost uh you know either it's expected or they owe they're owed this brand loyalty that they've earned over the years with with all the uh, customer uh, loyalty programs that they've done um and i think they even overestimate the brand preference in other words uh, you know not only are people willing to to try new things like by like uh, airbnb or something but they're they're literally you know ready to move away um, and and give up uh, you know seemingly an established relationship with a company. The other thing that this reminded me of lately was with Airbnb in particular. There was a, a stat that I saw where they were talking about a number of different industries. And, and your point, Tim, with the, with things being disruptive, you know, you look at uh, some, something like Facebook. It's the most popular media outlet right now, and yet they own none of their own content. Netflix is the is considered the world's largest movie house or the world's largest movie provider, and yet they have no cinemas. There's no there's no uh, brick and mortar place to go. Obviously, watch Netflix. Uh, Uber, the world's largest taxi company now, and, and growing even bigger, and they own no taxis. Even Skype, you know, we're using Skype today, and it owns no telecom infrastructure. And and it's just the way that these companies are disrupting the the established markets and 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 you know the the companies that are in there just don't see it happening. Airbnb you know owns no real estate, and so it's going to be very very difficult over the course of time for the established hotels I think to to compete with something that can be so nimble where they're reliant on a, a network of lodging providers essentially that they never considered. And I know in looking to some research on this article that some of the hotel companies companies themselves are already looking for alternatives that are very similar to Airbnb where they can give people an, an alternative guest experience they call it so it'll be kind of interesting to see how that plays out 
if you're a larger established brand, you better be ready to innovate. Seems like people are coming for you. It's kind of scary. It, it is. It really is. You wonder, you especially look at every one of those companies, uh, those companies that I mentioned, and a bunch of other ones. If you if you take a look at the market before the disruption disruption happened, um, it, it's really remarkable at how different the landscape appears. You know, it just uh, it, the the kind of classic modern example is what cell phones looked like before the iPhone was it was introduced. Um, but it's it's just really true. You know, honest to gosh, you look at uh, the few months before. Before that and the press, um, before the iPhone introduction and, and the press and, and what the expectations were with Nokia and BlackBerry and um, Windows Mobile and everything else. And it literally, it's just a sea change overnight. And, and all of these other companies, you know, did the same thing. And, and they just uh, they just come through and, and they establish companies either adapt or they are long gone and long forgotten. Absolutely. We need to wrap here, Tom. Uh, where can people find you online? We're at oliveandcompany.com, and on Twitter, they can look at us under the Twitter handle at Olive and Co. O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-C-O. Tom Keekley, thank you so much for joining us on Cast. You're welcome, Tim. It was a real delight and a real pleasure to be with you. You can download episodes of our program by going to cranberryradio.fm or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited 